You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama, a new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course, and Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. Simplify your life with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. Stay connected anywhere and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Navigate easily by powering apps like real-time GPS and voice assistant. Keep everyone entertained with Wi-Fi for up to 10 devices. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. Discover the convenience and see if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity roadblock your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Hi, everyone. This is Rachel Zoe with the Climbing in Heels podcast. We recently sat down with a few recipients of the Botox Cosmetic Onobotulinum Toxin A and iFund Women Grants at South by Southwest, thanks to Botox Cosmetic. Take a listen to our conversation. It's so good. What advice would you give to upcoming like female entrepreneurs or just already sort of established trying to survive still? I literally joke with my staff and, and we always are saying, oh, you want to be an entrepreneur? You want to be broke all the time and working 24-7? Ooh. Yeah, but look so, at you. Yeah, right? But I'm here. So the advice that I give is and I coined this, and I believe I said it on my TED Talk, that your passion follows you. You cannot follow your passion. So my advice is to let your passion follow you, get out of your own way, and never stop and never settle. This episode was brought to you by Botox Cosmetic. Learn more at BotoxCosmetic.com and talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, call 877 877- Three five one zero three zero zero, and follow the Climbing in Heels podcast on iHeartRadio or subscribe where you listen to your podcast. This is the most dramatic podcast ever, an iHeartRadio podcast. Chris Harrison coming to you from the home office here in Austin, Texas, and I am so excited about today's episode because it's a subject that was. Well, it, it, it was entrenched in my life for, what, 19 or 20 years. I'm talking about reality show villains. I have some of the most legendary reality show villains joining me on the show today. The reason I wanted to dive into this is because I was always so fascinated with villains, the quote-unquote villains, um, that came on The Bachelor and Bachelorette, that ended up becoming villains. Why and who? Were they really villains? Did they just rub people the wrong way? Were they just kind of misconceived by the fans? How do they see themselves? Was it the producers? Was it editing? Or or really, was it just their personality that drove this? It, it's something in a subject matter that I have thought about intimately for so long. And so I thought, let's do an entire show just with the greatest villains of all time. And we're going to talk to Richard Hatch 
from Survivor, one of the biggest villains, uh, from Bachelor Bachelorette World, Courtney Robertson from Ben Flanick's season, how she stirred up the waters. And Kelly Dodd from The Real Housewives of Orange County. That's who's joining me on the show today. So as I said, we have, I mean, the greatest hits of villains. But I want to start with a guy who I was a huge fan of because I was a huge Survivor fan, Richard Hatch. Back in 2000, he became Survivor's first winner in the debut season. It was the way he played the game that really caught my attention because at the end of the day, he won. He outplayed everybody and survived and became that first Survivor champion. So that is where we will start this villain episode. Simplify your life with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. Stay connected anywhere and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Navigate easily by powering apps like real-time GPS and voice assistant. Keep everyone entertained with Wi-Fi for up to 10 devices. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. Discover the convenience and see if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity roadblock your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. Don't miss the new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. Season 5 promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman. Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Hi, everyone. This is Rachel Zoe with the Climbing in Heels podcast. We recently sat down with a few recipients of the Botox Cosmetic Onobotulinum Toxin A and iFund Women Grants at South by Southwest, thanks to Botox Cosmetic. Take a listen to our conversation. It's so good. What advice would you give to upcoming like female entrepreneurs or just already sort of established trying to survive still? I literally joke with my staff and, and we always are saying, oh, you want to be an entrepreneur? You want to be broke all the time and working 24-7? Ooh. Yeah, but look so, at you. Yeah, right? But I'm here. So the advice that I give is and I coined this, and I believe I said it on my TED Talk, that your passion follows you. You cannot follow your passion. So my advice is to let your passion follow you, get out of your own way, and never stop and never settle. This episode was brought to you by Botox Cosmetic. Learn more at BotoxCosmetic.com and talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, call 877 877- 
351-0300 and follow the Climbing in Heels podcast on iHeartRadio or subscribe where you listen to your podcast. Joining me now, really the OG villain in all of reality TV. I mean, maybe you can go back to the MTV days, but Richard Hatch, you are synonymous with with being a villain on reality TV. And I and I, by the way, I do not mean that in a bad way at all, because I <laughs> the other thing I will say is I'm a fan. I, I, I was a fan of Survivor when it came out in 2000, when you were doing it and you won, followed you on all the other reality shows. So huge fan of of how you handled yourself. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks very much, Chris. I liked everything except the O in the OG. Hey, well, yeah, I know. I'm right there with you, pal. I'm right there with you. Is it, I mean, is it stunning to think back? That was 2000, man. That was 23 yeah, years ago. Yeah, we're talking 23 years ago. Yep. You know, I remember I was, uh, had not started The Bachelor yet, but I had gotten the job and I was doing a charity thing. And you may have been there because Jeff Probst was there. We did yeah. a celebrity dodgeball event. Oh, and fun. They had a survivor team. And I remember going up to Probst and, and asking, so I'm doing this reality show. What is this? What is this genre? <laughs> and he's like, all I can say is you're going to have to figure it out. Like, I, you know, Survivor's a different animal. You're going to have to kind of figure out your own kind of path. And it was actually great advice. Well, it took him a lot longer to figure it out than he <laughs> admits now. Let me tell yeah. you. Well, we, uh, we all like to look back and uh, revisionist history is wonderful, isn't it? But you became known that first season as this, you know, kind of brilliant game player and schemer. But also, I think it's fair to say you were also known as a villain. Did you feel that? And when did you feel it? I could answer really light and silly, but I'll just briefly answer a little bit more seriously. So I played and I thought I played really, really well. I was so proud of myself and imagined um the viewers watching and thought, oh, you know, I'm going to go back to yeah. um, a hero's welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. How did he do that? How do you figure it? Et cetera. And although I did, and there are throngs of fans who still communicate with me now, um, thankfully, uh, it really altered my life yeah. in a way that I hadn't uh, been prepared for. So that whole villain thing isn't as simple and superficial as one might think. A big part of the villain label for me had to do with being naked, gay, and 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 atheist. You know, those things combined really made for a very serious villainous thing that allowed prosecutors and others to really pounce in a way that they felt able to do. Yeah, terrible. Yeah. But I love the game. And the flip side of that, if I set aside real life and the actual homophobia that was behind right. it, it has been fascinating and fun and amazing. And and people now get it, even during COVID. You know, right. new fans are like, wow, they told me you were a villain. Oh, my God. How did you do that? It, it's pretty exciting. Your situation is so different because it was a true game. You played it masterfully and you won. And people I, didn't understand that. And, and I don't know if that exacerbated it, like, damn this guy even more or because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it may have been the rules. OK, outwit, outlast, outplay. Yeah. People did not understand the rules. Even the players didn't understand the rules, most of them. But when we got out. Rosie O'Donnell, for example, had all of us on her show. Mm -hmm. She gave she loved the show. She was a crazy fan, hated me. 
because of the villain thing she perceived. Wow. Didn't understand the rules. She gave everyone a car on air and gave me a box of rice. No. Loved it. I That's loved amazing. it. You know, she was looking to be, yeah. you know, to shame me. And, and uh, but, but, you know. That's that's the type of reaction I got from many, many, many folks. How crazy. How, how hard was that for you? Um, you know, you came back into the real world and you were expecting one thing. You got another and yeah. you, you had to deal with that. That was part of your life. And you were it was a huge part of your life because, I mean, I remember the press you got. And this is before social media. Yeah. Yeah. But it extended into social media. But 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 sure. Yeah. So it's challenging is what yeah. I'll say. Listen, I'm not going to do the woe is me thing. It's been right. really, really rough, but I wouldn't change anything. I learned a lot and it was um, interesting to me to recognize what folks who really face prejudices, et cetera, go through. You know, even growing up gay, I had to kind of figure out who I was early on, mm -hmm. but I still didn't face the kind of difficulties that I know so many people do. Yeah. And, and now, now I've faced them and understand how, how challenging it is. You went Life. on, you went on to use this uh, very well. Just you did another, didn't you do another season of survivor again? Oh, sure. And, yeah. and then there was uh, the apprentice. Uh, yeah. the, I think you did the biggest loser. So, I mean, you yeah. were able to kind of start milking this as, as producers and people were like, Hey, this guy is great TV. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did quite a few shows um, thereafter, but it was um, uh, it, it wasn't my goal. Yeah. You know, so many people on the show are on there to get famous, to get known. Right. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the fun. I enjoyed doing and and interacting. But I'm a kind of a serious fella. <laughs> I'm trying to do a podcast now called Reality Matters, meaning reality. What's true yeah. matters. And I'm I'm really discouraged by the way in which we seem to be shifting yeah. away from that. Well, what was but, what was true for you? You know, because again, Survivor's very different because it is a game. And therefore, yeah. uh, just for people that are listening, that means there's standards and practices. That means if there's money on the line, there are lawyers and there are certain things producers can and can't do and say because there's money on the line. But do you feel like you were portrayed? As Richard Hatch, do you you know? Do you feel like the editing uh, was fair to you? Wow, Chris, I don't know if you're you know you have um, behind the scenes knowledge or you're just shooting in the wind. This isn't something mo many folks know about. But you know, you say there are standards and practices. This was the first reality show this on a major network. Yeah. Yes, um, MTV, like you said before that, with Real World. But this was the first. So they did not even have a representative of standards and practices on wow. set. And I caught them cheating. They were feeding Kelly, another participant. She was she won five challenges in a row at the end. I shut down production. I mean, this really real life became a a, a very, very difficult situation. You know, while we were filming, we worked Holy through cow. it. Yeah. Crazy. No standards and practices. No anything. Um it was the Wild West. <laughs> that is, well, because I mean, I've hosted, you know, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? I hosted the game show for quite some time. Um, and even when we did uh, Bachelor, there, you know, before we did Paradise, we did this other show where there was money on the line. There was kind of this prisoner's dilemma. Again, standards and practices. It was like, this is a game show. And there's certain things you have to stay between, you know, these navigational beacons to keep it fair. I have never heard that story that you yeah. caught them cheating and shut down production. That is shocking. Yeah. 
I really wish it were they, they were there. But even one of the executive producers held himself out after this as I'm the representative of standards and practices. He said, <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, then how Greg. come you're giving Kelly a hamburger? Yeah, yeah. You know, they could claim they he himself may not have known. I don't know. But yeah. there were uh, a number of well, whatever. But I watched it. I saw it. I stopped it. Uh, good for it you, by awful. the way, because yeah. most people would not have the wherewithal and the confidence to do that. 39 days. I lost 42 pounds watching him give her the food, the the, 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 the chocolate bar, then finding her peanut butter and everything. I was losing my mind. <laughs> Man. By the way, the survivor diet's uh, still the all-time greatest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, was crazy. That's so, yeah, but it worked. And obviously, none of that comes out, you know, as you're no. going back for the reunions and all that. It was hush-hush. Yeah, it was hush hush, you know, in the in the 10 year reunion, because so many things happened to me as, as a result of being such a public figure before 54 million viewers. You know, Mark Burnett came up and he said, listen, I'm so sorry this happened and that happened. And let me know if there's anything I can do to help. And it's 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 fascinating to me because people like him in those kinds of positions of power now with wealth beyond what most people mm -hmm. could imagine and power that goes with that you know, hasn't been there to support the participants afterwards. And yeah. that's something reality participants ought to know. You know, I've got to give Mark credit because he talked to me in the early stages when he was selecting me about putting a gay person on there and that he wanted a certain representation. But the follow through just wasn't there. Yeah. He could have, should have known the consequences and what real world I might have faced the ramifications and, um, of all this. Yeah. Yeah, then, yeah. With that said, what would your advice be to those that are still, you know, getting in the game and whether it's survivor, whether it's, you know, a million other shows that exist now? Well, one thing is I've always said to folks, you know, don't go on these shows to figure out who you are. Do that ahead of time. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, you don't have time while you're in there to figure out who you are and you're not going to be liked by a certain mm -hmm segment of society so get good with that you know i was pretty comfortable with that in my mind until i realized that those people in power might be the ones who don't like you and they can impact your life they can yeah. devastate it so you, you do have to think about the consequence oh you should i said yeah, don't say. go in there think thinking that you are going to be the captain america that everybody just falls in love with and the hero 99.9 percent .9 of the time that's not going to be you Correct. You'll have a good amount of people who will back you. You'll have followers who understand you, but you could have far more people who don't. And and particularly in social media and particularly with younger folks, it can really affect your psyche. It can it can get to you if you haven't figured out who you are yet. So it's challenging. Would you do it all again? I would go again because I love the game. And even when I went the first time at 38, yeah. I knew who I was. I know who I am. You yeah. know, I, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I've figured that out. Uh, so I would do it. Well, Richard, I, I tell you what, I have always been a fan from, from day one of Survivor because I love the show. I was, I loved it when it was Eco Challenge, when Burnett was doing that. And then when it became Survivor, I was so into it. And when you turn the game on its head the way you did, I was in the, the camp of, holy cow, this guy is good. Like, damn, he's good. Um, That's really kind of you. So Thank I've, you, I've always appreciated all the iterations, all the shows you've done. And so I'm glad we had a chance to talk today.
Why didn't I get pulled on to Bachelor Paradise to tempt the guys? <laughs> that would have been a good twist. <laughs> He's got the villain thing going, man. Yeah. Yeah. Thank uh, you, Chris. Richard Hatch. Appreciate it, buddy. Have a good one. My thanks to Richard Hatch. Uh, after talking to him, an even bigger fan. To think about also, it's very interesting to shed light on um, you know, being a gay man and atheist and, and all those things that he carried into that season. Thank goodness he was confident and knew who he was and was able to withstand the pressure that he got from outside the show. But was it just me? Or did anybody fall out of their chair like I did when he said he shut down production on Survivor because he caught the producers cheating? He caught the producers of Survivor feeding Kelly on season one, and he shut it down until they fixed it. That is jaw-dropping. I have never heard that story, and that just blew me away. So my my thanks to Richard Hatch uh, for coming on the show, but for that bombshell uh, of a story about Survivor that I didn't know about. I hope you didn't either. Up next is a very dear friend of mine. So, Courtney Robertson was a contestant on the 16th season of The Bachelor. That was Ben Flanick's season, if you remember, uh, the winemaker from San Francisco. Uh, Courtney quickly became one of the biggest villains in the history of, of our franchise. She was unapologetically after Ben Flanick, who she really did love and fell in love with. But again, she really rubbed people the wrong way and became one of the biggest villains in our franchise history. Simplify your life with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. Stay connected anywhere and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Navigate easily by powering apps like real-time GPS and voice assistant. Keep everyone entertained with Wi-Fi for up to 10 devices. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. Discover the convenience and see if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity roadblock your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. Don't miss the new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. Season 5 promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman. Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Hi, everyone. This is Rachel Zoe with the Climbing in Heels podcast. We recently sat down with a few recipients of the Botox Cosmetic, Onobotulinum Toxin A, and iFund Women Grants at South by Southwest, thanks to Botox Cosmetic. Take a listen to our conversation. It's so good. 
what advice would you give to upcoming like female entrepreneurs or just already sort of established trying to survive still? I literally joke with my staff and, and we always are saying, oh, you want to be an entrepreneur? You want to be broke all the time and working 24-7? Ooh. Yeah, but so, look at you. Yeah, right? But I'm here. So the advice that I give is and I coined this, and I believe I said it on my TED Talk, that your passion follows you. You cannot follow your passion. So my advice is to let your passion follow you, get out of your own way, and never stop and never settle. This episode was brought to you by Botox Cosmetic. Learn more at BotoxCosmetic.com and talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, call 877 877- Three five one zero three zero zero, and follow the Climbing in Heels podcast on iHeartRadio, or subscribe where you listen to your podcast. Joining me now, very dear friend Courtney Robertson. I was going to say old friend, but I didn't want to say you're old at all because I am much older. <laughs> so just I'm going to say very good friend Courtney Robertson. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing super duper, actually. It's good to see you. I was going to call you my old friend. You definitely, <laughs> you can definitely call me your old friend because um, I have you by many, many years. Where are you now? Because you're not in Los Angeles. Yeah. So I was in LA for about 14 years yeah. and I moved back to Arizona, my hometown, about six years ago. Because you're married to kids now? Yeah, lots happen. Oh, yeah. I've got two kids. Today was actually the, uh, this week is the first week they both went to preschool. So I'm like free. Isn't that a wonderful thing? So that, wait, they're both headed to preschool. So we're talking four or five years old? We got three and 18 months. And and I have a boy, my boy's three, turning three, and my daughter's 18 months, Paloma. And she is a mini me and she is a real sassy. (laughs) She's got an attitude. She's got an attitude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She will grow up to be an amazing villain on reality TV. Yeah, I know. Maybe <laughs> someday. I, I talked to Ashley. I'm like, man, we got to get our babies together. Her little baby is so cute. Oh, Ashley. Little I, Dawson. Yeah, Ashley Akinetti, mm-hmm. Ashley and Jared. Uh, we just saw them here in Austin. Uh, Ashley came in town with Ben Higgins and had dinner. And she showed me videos of her and Dawson. I mean, the cutest, cutest kid. Paloma would the do cutest. well to hook up with uh, Dawson. Yeah. I'm like, let's have a play date. Yeah. Maybe someday. Arranged weird bachelor kids getting together. That's a whole other show, (laughs) but we have enough kids now. Isn't that weird? Before we get into everything we want to talk about, um, it is amazing to me and wonderful when I see you, Ashley, Jaden Tanner, Tristan Wright, you name it. We have so many babies and they're not all bachelor babies that were made from the show and relationships from the show, but just the same, watching everybody grow up and have babies and, and, and kind of complete the full circle of their lives is really wonderful. It's got to be a trip for you. I mean, we met, gosh, over 10 years ago. Yeah, it was. Which feels right? good to me to be like so far removed, like, because it took me a lot of time to get my life kind of just to feeling normal, like what feels normal to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is wild. And you were there for like, the journey, like, and you've watched it all unfold. And I met your kids when they were little. And then I see them going off to college and I'm like, what? It's wild. And, and you're right. I Are mean, you an empty nester now? Yes. You're empty yes. I mean, well, they boomerang. They do come home for summer break, which is really <laughs> weird. Cause now instead of just kids, I have these adults living with me. They really don't want to be here. Lauren and I really don't want, no, we do love it when they're here. It's, it's that good kind of noise. And I realize 
they, this is my son's last summer at home. He's about to graduate. He's going into senior year. And you know, with my daughter, I get like two or three more summers and that's it. So I'm, I'm grasping onto it as hard as I can. And you're right. I mean, you 10 years ago and you're able to remove yourself. I kind of had this dazed and confused version of the show where people would step off the merry-go-round, but I, I stayed and I would get Mm -hmm. to know the next group. And so I never really left. And so I'm kind of where you were about two years removed now and it feels good. And I feel like finally I have a little distance between me and the show and I can kind of let my guard down a little bit. It takes time. It's, it's, a, and you know, and then it, sometimes it flares back up, you know, I'm started, started a podcast and I, you dive back in and then I did use the word triggered, but you know, yeah. you kind of can tap back in, into that time and I'm sure you have fond memories. I mean, how long did you host the show? I was uh, 19 years, a little over 19 years. We were about to celebrate the 20th anniversary uh, when I left and yeah, I mean, it's wonderful times. There's amazing. I mean, even look back at your season with Ben Flanick we traveled the world. We were, you know, we were in Zermatt, yeah, we, uh, Zermatt, Switzerland, <laughs> underneath the Matterhorn. I skied up Switzerland and down into Italy and had lunch. And we were Unreal. in Belize where I brought my kids. We were fishing and diving with sharks. So it was an unbelievable season. We're, was that season? Did we go to Vieck? Uh, no. Yeah. Was it Vieques? Uh, yes. In Puerto Vieques Rico? in Puerto Rico. Yeah. Oh, you know what happened in Puerto Rico. Oh, that's where the infamous skinny dip took place. Oopsie poopsie. <laughs> what do you remember about the infamous skinny dipping incident with Ben Flanick? So I remember being at the end of the, was it the Puerto Rico baseball date? And yeah. it was like the cocktail party, like the losing team went home, boohoo. And then we got to like the night portion of the cocktail party right. and we were sitting in like a little gazebo talking and the girls were over here and I was like, gosh, I would love to go skinny dipping right now. And he's like, I'll do it. Let's go. And I was like, uh, no, like these girls are going to kill me. And anyway, I was like, well, maybe another time. And he's like, well, I think my date's going to end early tomorrow. Wink, wink. Uh, if you, if you want to, you know, if you want to do it then. So I was like, I think people didn't see that obviously. Right. Of course. So I thought this was like a plan. And then, so like, I'm getting ready, I'm in my robe and like, they're like, okay, like it's time to go. And then I showed up to his door. Like I'm ready. I have like a wine glass. I'm in my robe. And he looks at me kind of like shocked. Like, I don't know, like if he was expecting it, if he thought it was a joke. So then we did it. And in the time, and I know people say this, it's so cliche, like you kind of do forget you're filming a television show. Yeah. And I just, I knew I would get extra time with him and that there wouldn't be audio. Water and mics don't mix. Right, exactly. So it did have a little bit of um, an ulterior motive. In uh, what, the producers or you or Ben? <laughs> Me, <laughs> I did. I wanted to like she talked to him off camera. Well, you and know, that was the closer, bit, but it was on camera. <laughs> and that was really the closer, though. I mean, you know, say what you will about that moment. That's what sealed the deal. No pun intended. It kind of did. It was, was kind of did. <laughs> <laughs> but he told me out there, like, you know, you're the one, and now I kind of have to go through the motions. And and you gotta remember, this was like pretty early on. It really was. And I and I was like considering. I was always threatening to leave, <laughs> and like I just like needed some reassurance. So I was like, okay, I guess we're gonna do this. I found you very interesting, and I, I am having a few other quote unquote villains. And I, I use air quotes um, from reality mm-hmm. shows. You are the only bachelor bachelorette person. 
because I specifically remember your situation so well and thought about it so much of why you, again, to use the word that is overused today, triggered the other women so much. Mm -hmm. Right. In your mind, before the skinny dipping incident, because Mm -hmm. you were not loved in the house before then, what was it? Like, why, now that you've had plenty of time to think back, what was it that set them off? I think it was a a trifecta, really. Uh, I think the show airing and then seeing what I was saying in my interviews, I got too comfortable with producers. And towards the end of the show, I realized, like, I don't have to answer that or I don't have to say that again. So, but it was too late. Like, the writing was already on the wall for me. Um, But for me, like, I mean, there's two things that I want to say. There's so much flooding into me. Like I say, I have to kind of like tap back into it. But um, like night one, I remember talking to KCB, the sweetest girl, right? And I was like, this is obviously an unnatural situation. I'm like, oh, so what do you do for work? And I was like trying to connect with her. And she's like, I'm not going to tell you that. Like, and it just like, I had my interactions that didn't go well, but they didn't show that. Right. And so I just got very like, uh, overwhelmed. I was constantly in interviews. They were like, oh, she's gold. Let's bring her in. Right. So I was kind of not around as much. And I think the girls took it kind of personally. And then I had Casey Schemer, my best friend, who went on to date Alon on my podcast recently. And it was kind of nice, refreshing to hear her perspective because she was like best friends with everyone in the house. And she's like, you know, she was telling me like, they're all talking badly about you. Producers were telling me, Courtney, people are saying bad things about you, like you kind of need to start doing it or you're going to look bad. So there was just so much. And I was also falling for him. Truly. I only reason I did the show is because I saw him on Ashley season and I was like, winemaker, you know, I dated celebrities and I really thought like, this guy seems like a catch. Yeah, so normal. So I don't know if I answered your question. Well, tell me, but- if I, tell me if this is a wild theory. This is one theory that I've had. And I want to ask your opinion because you were a very successful model coming into the show. Um, Extremely gorgeous. You are, and I remember night one, you were very striking. So you you make an entrance. Do you think that along with the attitude I think models have, having gotten to know some and I even dated, this kind of kill or be killed attitude when you're a model. When you walk in and there's 20, 50, however many other beautiful women and everybody's shooting daggers and it's like, before you come at me, I'm going to come at you. Do you feel like you maybe brought that attitude to the show? Like this is a competition, just like I'm on the runway and I'm going to win. Yes. A hundred percent. Thousand percent. Yeah, I did. My dad always says that. He's like, Courtney, you know, you had a leg up on everybody I, I had walked into casting rooms where girls are sizing you up you walk into a callback for a commercial and let me tell you 50 girls are sitting there and they look like you um so you kind of have this i had confidence and i know ben has said that about me and that that really attracted him to me um and then slowly throughout the season it kind of started like the volume went down on my confidence <laughs> but i think there is the ego part of it as well you know like yeah i want yeah, to win of course win. I'm, that's yeah. why i'm here like i'm here to win and you know because I really liked him. So for the right reasons, but then the girls just, you know, something I wanted to touch on, I won't say the name, but what didn't air. And I wanted to talk to you about the women tell all, cause I was one of the only ones to go into that hot seat with you. Um, but you know, one of the girls kept calling me autistic on camera and 
they would never air that they didn't air it and i thought that that was how the narrative was going to play out like so you'd see this this beef and this confrontation and it didn't air out that way like it it aired like people assumed she was just calling me like the b word so that was like really like what made me dislike this girl and i just had to touch on that because i couldn't talk about that at the women tell all so how much do you feel was you that we got to see courtney for the most part and how much do you feel the producers had a heavy hand in how you were portrayed and who you became to be on the show oh gosh i mean maybe 50 50. um you know, I think, you know, I've been talking to producers after like Mike Fleiss and I hung out through Amy Bean in Malibu and, you know, he said, you're famous. And he was like, you know, it was him or one of the top female execs was like, we've never really had like a true model on the show. And like, we kind of had to do it to you. So I think that they always knew. You're like, did you? <laughs> and and that's exactly what I said. I was like, oh, I remember Mike seeing my, my engagement ring. Like, how do you like that ring I bought you? And, um, <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, it's just a small world, but yeah, I definitely think that they had a plan for me Yeah, and I kind of shot myself in the foot by being so trusting in the interviews. I I mean, it was also positive. Like some people, it was like, they love to hate me, but it was so bigger than I thought it could ever be like dealing with that kind of hate and having really no support. You, you know, I had dated celebrities. I'd seen them deal with paparazzi, but then like to be the one who has like paparazzi stalking me and being on, I was on the cover of Us Weekly for like five weeks in a row, like man eater, like shameless yeah. seduction. Uh, yeah. And then like, I hate to say it, but like Whitney Houston died and I was, I had a break for about a week, Yeah, but it was just like the beating that never stopped. And then on top of it, I was dealing with a relationship that wasn't so good. I can completely sympathize with that now. I understand that. Sorry feeling. if I yard sailed. No. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I, I get it. Yeah. I get it. But it's. And I was curious to ask you that because when you went through this, I don't think you saw, I know you were going through it. I didn't reach out to you personally, but I did a story and I, it probably went away in 24 hours. Um, but just saying like, I miss him. Like I, I was sad because I'm a fan of the show now. I still watch because of everything. And I just had to say that I, I was really sad to see you go. I appreciate I know, that. Thank you. And I know you know that. I don't want to be a broken record. No, no, I, pre- no I, I love hearing that. And I appreciate that so much. Um, you know, Because you've been so delightful when we did Katie Couric in New York. We did Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? I've seen you at events. And like, you know, you've always just been such a solid dude. And people always ask me, how is he? I'm like, he's incredible. I appreciate that. Yeah, we've always had a great relationship. You and I have done, we have done a ton of things. I remember when I (laughs) I essentially took over the Katie Couric show, we hosted it that day and had everybody on. I was so nervous too. (laughs) (laughs) It was, but like your season was so interesting because, you know, I I doubt that anybody had the idea before you walked in, but I think they saw the impression you made and thought, okay, now this is a, a narrative. This is a string we can kind of weave throughout this entire season. And then on top of that, Ben was crazy about you. And that's mm-hmm. really what sent this over the top. If you weren't the one, then it wouldn't have been that big of a deal and it would have petered out. And what's, yes. the, what's the big deal? But the fact that you won, won. essentially mm-hmm. and you got engaged, I think that infuriated people. Do you think that exacerbated mm-hmm. the whole thing? Mm-hmm. I think that you had Lindsay, who is sweet as pie, and we are just like night and day different. And I think it's like anybody, like you're rooting for, like when you're watching a 
it's a television show. And I remember, like, I hate to say, it, bring up the past, but I remember, like, your wife said something, like, about me, like, oh, I really wish he would have picked. You hear those things, and you're like, oh, like, you know, but he picked me. So, and, but then I had to deal with the relationship as well. <laughs> and that was like. <laughs> yeah. And the relationship obviously didn't go great and, and broke up. Right. But I mean, he's, and we're fine now, yeah. but like this whole process was like very much so like, pick me, pick me. And then yeah. afterwards it was still like, pick me, pick me, where I was like, I kind of got to the point where by the, after the final rose, I was like, I'm done. I have no fight left, you know? And do you ever go back? Have you watched that season back? So I watched some of it when I wrote my book okay. and um, I was shocked. I mean, cause I knew what I was wearing when I said this. And yeah. then I was shocked at like how many voiceovers were the, the things that caught, created the most problems. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I realized why the girls like, oh, they showed that. Or like, I realized why the girls, I think that just made it worse. So it, kind of going back to what we were talking about, like yeah. they saw what I was saying in my interviews, but when I was in the house, I really didn't. I wasn't mean to their faces. I was yeah. just having fun. Right. It is. And I, you kind of remind me a little bit of Michelle Money, who I'm very dear friends with as well. And she was kind of the narrator of her season. And she was so funny and so quick-witted. I love Michelle Money. But in the moment, it didn't, it didn't come off well. And she was a bit of a villain. I remember standing up for her at the tell-all because I, I was like, guys, this is not who this girl is. Trust me. Like, y'all, you will learn to love her. And everyone did eventually. Your tell-all, I felt really guilty and, and horrible when you were in the hot seat. I, I don't know if you know this. I was so sick. deathly ill. I was so sick. That was my question for you. I wondered if you were really sick. I thought I was going to faint. So oh. here's what was going on. I was, obviously you were the penultimate moment, right? You were the interview that I was looking forward to, that everybody was, you were the show, right? I mean, say what you will. You were the show. It was no longer about Ben. It, it was, was no longer. Moment. It was all about you. You were the only thing driving this. If you had walked away, the show would have been off the air. That was it. You were driving the ratings. And so this was the interview. And I had the flu. I hadn't eaten. I was so sick. And all of a sudden, I got dizzy. And I started sweating. Oh, no. And so I don't even know if you heard this. In my microphone, I started whispering because I, I thought I got really dizzy. And you know how like the world starts closing in on you. So that starts happening. Mm -hmm. And there was back in the day, we had fake candles after a while, but back you were real candles. So we had these, this huge candle set up next to me on the left. And I thought I was, I wasn't even listening to what you were saying anymore. And I was like, well, if I pass out, I'm going to try and roll to the right. And so my oh, face God, won't go into the really candles. In it. Oh, I thought I was going to pass out. And then I think we stopped down for like an hour that day. That was my question. I'm glad to hear that you really were sick because I kind of felt like duped after the fact. And, and like, I could see you did look a little gray um, yeah. <laughs> or green as they call it, but I was sitting there, they bring me out, I walk out and like, was, we were starting to go when this happened yeah. and the audience is booing me. The girls are chirping at me. They are gassed up on like tequila Yeah, and I sit down. So I'm like ready to go. And, and then they're like, Chris needs to lay down. And I was like, oh, okay. Like thinking you'll just be right back right. or makeup. I don't know. Which means that's, that's the weirdest thing in the world. Chris needs to lay down. That's never happened before. I've, ne just I've like, never heard that. I've been sick twice. In the history of the show, I was sick twice. Once, hey, that's a good batting average. Though. It was. I was at the uh, lady's house. I was at the mansion and I had to do a quick just date card thing. So it didn't matter. And then there was you. I don't even remember. And I hate to admit this. 
I don't even remember what I was asking because I wasn't even listening. If a producer wasn't in my ear at that moment, Mm -hmm. when you stopped talking, somebody would say something and I would ask that question. I wasn't even in the building. I had no, and I felt horrible. I felt so guilty because I really liked you, as you know. Thank you. I thought you were, I understood why there was this um, kind of villain moniker, but I also understood that there was this other side to you and that you were this really sweet woman and maybe misunderstood a little bit. And so I was like, well, I'm going to try and bring this out kind of like I did with Michelle Money. And I just mm-hmm. wasn't there for you. I felt like I abandoned you. Well, it's it's so funny that you say that because I kind of felt like, God, maybe he just doesn't like me. Like, because, <laughs> you know, and that's really nice of you to say that actually like, feels good to hear because I felt like we had always had such good interactions and not that you abandoned me, but like, like you said, like, and I was so terrified, but like you, I had watched Michelle Money's cause I was like, how is this going to go? And, and, and it wasn't that it was just very like matter of fact, like yeah. how's your family doing? Like, like and I was like, like, like I wasn't even listening. <laughs> like you're not even responding to what I'm saying. But on top of it, the girls were yelling, like there's yeah. no way that you could have stopped. Like, it's almost like this women tell all with Jesse Palmer. Like, it's just like, it was like, and like you, you weren't there. Well, I really pride myself on listening. And then, you know, I'll I'll have something in mind, but then usually the question, you know, we go off on a tangent somewhere else because that's where the interview takes you. And you could have said the sky is blue. And my next question could have been, what color do you think the sky is? (laughs) It was just, (laughs) I was so out of it. That makes so much sense to me, honestly. And like, there were things that I wanted to like get across. And it also, this was before it was live. Yes. Thank God. Yes. Can you imagine if you rolled off? No, I, yeah, I don't know what would happen because I had to go lay down. Polly, you remember Big Polly, our stage manager? Oh, I love Paul. I just saw him and they just had me back for a group date. Oh, and really? He's still there and he yeah. helped me up on the stage. Yeah, he's, he's one of my favorite human beings. And he literally carried me to my room and laid me down on the couch and was just like, Are you okay? I was like, I think I'm going to die. I'm like, I just need a minute. And oh, just like Chris, I'm there sorry. in a flop sweat for like 30 minutes and then came back and then hosted the rest of the show and then went back and just passed out. It was horrible. You're a professional. You're a professional. Back to, you know, being quote unquote a villain. Do you have advice for people now that you host your own podcast and you talk to so many people and I'm sure hopefully people have reached out to you. What is your advice to people that are either coined as the villain or going on a reality show? Oh gosh, so much advice. I mean, you really have to have thick skin. Mind you, Instagram wasn't a thing when I went on. Twitter was kind of a thing, but the online hate and the trolls are really like, it doesn't matter who you are, Kardashian, Rihanna, anybody in the public eye, you are going to get hate. I mean, I have had the most vile things said to me. I've had stalkers. I've had two stalkers. So just be prepared. Like try to put yourself, you can't really prepare for it. Like you think, oh, I might get a little famous, but just really keep that into consideration because your privacy just goes away for like, for me, like I said, years, like, I mean, I wouldn't, I couldn't go places. I lost my privacy and that was really hard for me because I was kind of this free spirit in Santa Monica and I didn't, I didn't think it through all the way, I guess. Well, I don't know if anybody can. And I, I, this is what I always say about people that, that say, oh, Courtney knew she knew what she was signing up for. She was going on the, you don't, they don't, I don't care how long the show has been on the air. You can't comprehend how your life can change if you are the one. Now, for 95% of the people on the show, your life won't change. Positive. Yeah, it could be positive yeah. or whatever. But 
whether it's good or bad, there's certain people that just pop and your life changes. And it can be a wonderful thing and lead to money and all that, but it can be very difficult. And I try to tell people, yeah, there's no way Courtney could have prepared herself. Even being nope. a, a wonderful, talented uh, model coming into this, understanding dating a celebrity, no way. No way you can prepare nope. for it. It's it's like the ABC. It's like any show. Like now they have these amazing Netflix dating shows. Like yeah. you just get thrust into the, I didn't, I guess I didn't realize what a big show it really was and like how passionate the fans yeah. are. And as I'm sure, you know, and I, I'm dying to ask you because I thought of you during your, um, your whole thing that yeah. happened. And I wondered if you thought of like the villains, like if you, for the first time in your life, felt that blowback in such a big way that maybe you hadn't before. It's a great question. Two things that really gave me perspective on the show, going through my divorce and mm -hmm. going through a breakup, dating again, and, and being back in that world gave me such great perspective. And then, yeah, going through what I went through has made me rethink and, and how I was treated by the show, by producers, by executives the things, mm. promises made, promises not kept, et cetera. Um, it made me sorry for some of the things that people went through thinking, I think I was pretty naive thinking that uh, there's no way certain things were happening and they probably were behind my back and under my nose. I wish I'd been a little bit more aware, um, but for mm -hmm. sure, it definitely gave me a whole different perspective on on people like yourself. Honestly, it's it's it really has. It's a, <laughs> it's a big weight on your shoulders. And for me, truthfully, and I don't know if I haven't admitted it much, but it was really embarrassing. <laughs> if the, the cringe, the embarrassment yeah. that I had, like there would be days where I just didn't leave my house. I was just so embarrassed and I didn't like want to face the world. <laughs> well, you are facing it now and you're doing so yes. beautifully married, children, beautiful life. And you have your podcast. So it's after reality and it's really focusing on what life is really like after reality TV. Like, how do you figure it out? And yes, interviewing some celebrities and former contestants, especially villains and um, talking about motherhood yeah. and what that really looks like. I think it's easy to see this picture perfect uh, highlight reel on Instagram, but it's tough. It's the hardest job in the world. And I'm going to be talking to other moms and I think people will find it funny and relatable and I'll definitely bring the tea and the snark. Courtney, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for being such a dear Absolutely. friend and supporter. And um, you may have been known as a villain, but let me just say it for the whole world to hear this. This woman is anything but. You are an absolute gem and I thank you so much. Oh gosh, anytime, Chris. I'm always in your corner. So good to reconnect with Courtney. Uh, and, I, and I'm so happy that she is living this beautiful life with her husband two kids. She's an amazing mom. Um, one of those people that I, I do keep in touch with from time to time. Um, and it's just, she's just been a big supporter and a dear friend. And it's always good to see a smile on her face and to see how she handled being a villain at the time and how, yes, I played a part in that. And as she very astutely brought up in her question to me, if I sympathize with that more considering what I went through and the answer emphatically, as I said, is yes, I definitely empathize and sympathize with the villains uh, and how they have been treated by their productions, by executives, by fans. Um, very interesting how the tables can be turned. The tables definitely were turned on my next guest, Kelly Dodd, reality television star. For sure, you have to say that, but you also have to say quite the villain for the Real Housewives of Orange County. 
Simplify your life with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. Stay connected anywhere and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Navigate easily by powering apps like real-time GPS and voice assistant. Keep everyone entertained with Wi-Fi for up to 10 devices. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. Discover the convenience and see if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity roadblock your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. Don't miss the new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. Season 5 promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman. Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Hi, everyone. This is Rachel Zoe with the Climbing in Heels podcast. We recently sat down with a few recipients of the Botox Cosmetic Onobotulinum Toxin A and iFund Women Grants at South by Southwest, thanks to Botox Cosmetic. Take a listen to our conversation. It's so good. What advice would you give to upcoming like female entrepreneurs or just already sort of established trying to survive still? I literally joke with my staff and, and we always are saying, oh, you want to be an entrepreneur? You want to be broke all the time and working 24-7? Ooh. Yeah, but look so, at you. Yeah, right? But I'm here. So the advice that I give is and I coined this, and I believe I said it on my TED Talk, that your passion follows you. You cannot follow your passion. So my advice is to let your passion follow you, get out of your own way, and never stop and never settle. This episode was brought to you by Botox Cosmetic. Learn more at BotoxCosmetic.com and talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, call 877 877- Three five one zero three zero zero, and follow the Climbing in Heels podcast on iHeartRadio or subscribe where you listen to your podcast. He said, "I love you," and then picked someone else. They haven't spoken in seven years. For the first time since their television breakup, they are reunited. Bachelor Ben Higgins. Bachelorette Jojo Fletcher and Jordan Rogers together for the first time and you get to hear it all. Join Ashley I and Ben Higgins along with Jojo Fletcher and Jordan Rogers on the Almost Famous Podcast available now wherever you listen to podcasts. 
joining me from her house in Orange County, Kelly Dodd from the Real Housewives of Orange County, one of the more infamous housewives, I would say, of all time. Is that is that fair? I hope so. I don't know. I think that's pretty good. I mean, I think it's pretty fair. You uh, you are clearly a great housewife, fan favorite, but would you also say you were a villain? Is that fair? Uh, I feel like I was attacked and I just stuck up for myself, but I wouldn't say I did anything, you know, I didn't look into people's business. I didn't make up rumors. I didn't do anything like that. I mean, I, I, I don't feel like I was a villain. I always find it interesting because I've been on both sides of this as far as being the host of The Bachelor and Bachelorette for so long. And I saw how it worked. Um, but I also saw it happen naturally, meaning sometimes producers are involved and there's clever editing and all that. But then sometimes people just didn't resonate with the audience the way I thought they would. And they became a quote unquote villain. What camp do you fall in? Would you say some editing, producing, or was it just the way you were taken by the fans? I think it was just the way I was taken by the fans. I think they did, you know, they showed, they provoked me. They, they tried to, you know, poke the bear, my buttons, poke the bear, like making up rumors, um, you know, saying I did a sex train, which I've never even had a threesome, Uh, you know, making up, trying to get me drunk, trying to get, you know, trying to make up rumors saying that, you know, um, I cheated on my husband. There's just like awful, nasty things where I felt like, you know, I have a daughter uh, that was young at the time. And it was just like unnecessary lies that, and I felt like I needed to defend myself. It, I, it was all me. Now, was there editing involved? I mean, were they, yeah, yeah, like poke the bear, get her drunk? Yes, there was. And there, but, but, I think, you know, half, like like Andy Cohen said, I'm polarizing. Half the country likes me and half the country doesn't, you yeah. know? And I think that's what reality is, right? Like That's that think- is good, good reality TV for sure. It makes you think, it provokes you to make up your own opinion on somebody. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the main oh. thing is I was always wondering, you know, with, with all villains that are coming on today's show, you know, if they felt like they were... For the most part, it is TV. If you, for the most part, were portrayed as Kelly Dodd, if you felt like, yeah, that's me, you know, that was me speaking my piece. Um, it, it's not me. It's not, they don't show all of me. Right. They only show snippets of me. So what you see on that show isn't me. Like I do a daily show on YouTube called The Daily Smash, The Rick and Kelly Show. And I do it every single day. And everybody like writes my comments because I wish they would have showed this side of you on, 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 on TV. Like they don't show that part of me. They only show the parts where the conflict resolution kind of, they didn't see my day to day, uh, how I react and how I really am on the daily, you know? And also I was going, I was in a bad relationship. I was in a bad marriage and that also, I wasn't in the right headspace at the time. Yeah. So, you know, th- you know, they never told me what to say or what to do. That was on me. So, I mean, I have to own that. However, it is produced. It is trying to make you look bad and, and horrible in a lot of ways. 
But do you, whatever I said that came out of my mouth came out of my mouth myself. Well, and do you, to that point, do you regret anything or do you feel like you were always defending yourself? Or is there anything you look back and you're like, mm, maybe I shouldn't have called her a pig or said some of these things. Maybe I went a little too far. Uh, no, I don't regret anything. What I do regret is even dancing or entertaining like rumors, Yeah, you know, like entertaining that, like I should have just walked away and not even entertained it because it's garbage and it was lies. And I should have just said like, I shouldn't even have entertained. That's one of the hardest things to do. I always talk to about that when there are things thrown your way. And I dealt with this myself when I went through my situation the hardest thing in the world to do is shut up and not speak because you want to yeah. speak, but all that does is fan the flames and it gives the story legs and it gives everybody another thing to write about and talk about. So it is hard to not defend yourself because it, it's right. counterintuitive to somebody who's strong and independent. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that what I did wrong for me was I, um, that whole COVID thing. I feel like if I would have just like not been on social media, I would have, I wouldn't have, I still would still have a, a high paying job, but also I'm happy that I out was outspoken. What I do regret, I didn't do anything on the show uh-huh. and that Andy Cohen even said that. So you're, you're referring to why you were eventually fired from the show. Right. Is there a world in which you would ever go back to the real housewives? Um, you know, you know, it's so funny that you say that. I loved the money. I loved it. And I, and <laughs> I, I, I absolutely did. Does it pay well? It paid. Well, I was getting paid, you know, like almost half a million dollars. A, a season? Year. A, a Plus year. a season. Yeah, yeah. Which is a big chunk. And yeah. not only that, but I made more money on that because I did meet and greets and right. I got to do, you know, speaking engagements and, so it was, you know, I mean, it was a lucrative um, job and, but it got there. You didn't get paid that your first, second season. You know, I was on there for five years, Yeah. but it was um, a lucrative, easy job. You know, all I had to do was film for four months and then do, you know, um, press and do those confessionals. I mean, it was easy. Yeah. They've monetized that show very well with BravoCon and all that that stuff. That's something that the bachelor bachelorette never did. Uh, they just could never get their ducks in a row and pull it out to do that. Cause it's brilliant. There's a whole other cottage industry well, uh, outside of this. That, well, before that, before the Bravo cons, mm-hmm. I used to go do these, these junkets with Dorinda and Teresa Judice and Dolores and Tamara. And we'd go like to Mohegan sun and do these meet and greets. Yeah. And Bravo saw that we were making money doing that. And then they were like, uh, 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 we're going to be doing Bravo con and you know, uh, you're, you're not going to be making more money. Well, we're going to be, we're the ones that are going to be making money. Well, do you find it ironic to a certain degree that they created, helped create this persona for you, this villainous, you know, housewife that's, that's how they made ratings. It's how they made money. And then they turn around and fired you for being that person in real life. Right. Um, I don't feel like I'm a, like, again, I don't feel like I'm a villain. 
I didn't cheat people out of anything. I've, I've never been to prison. I, I, you know, I didn't um, lie in court and say that, you know, um, you know, lie on my taxes, file bankruptcy. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how I Which am. a host of housewives have done. All this stuff has yeah, been done. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, you know, uh, a villain. But those people are villains. I'm just outspoken. But it's, I guess, like, again, there's, I have a huge following, you know, I yeah. have, I have a close to a million followers that I never paid for. And they like what I have to say and what I stand for. I, I was too real for the housewives. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, that, that's interesting. It was like, they, yeah. it was good for them when they needed it. And then when it got to be too much. They didn't like that. They, they didn't like anything that I had to say. I was too real for the housewives. Well, Kelly, I, I really wanted to uh, talk to you because, you know, we're doing this entire episode on villains. And I, I again, because of my perspective on this, I always found it just very interesting. Um who resonated and why. And the overall thing that I always said when I was hosting the show is these are still people. I, I know you see Kelly Dodd on, on Real Housewives, but this is a real woman who has a real family and living a real life. Right. And did you do you find that fans and viewers had a tough time separating those two? I don't know, you know, because I'm, I, you know, I have a Patreon, um, uh, you know, uh, on I have a Patreon on YouTube, and mm -hmm. I have, a, you know, I'm I'm making a living off of that because I do have a lot of fans that think just like I do. Yeah, and that's the reality. You know, half the people think like I do, and half the people don't. But you know, if people want to portray me as a villain, I you know, and that's the thing. Like they came out with the ultimate girls trip of villains. Uh -huh. They didn't pick me. If they thought I was a villain, how come they didn't pick me? They just don't like what I have to say. They think that I am a villain. Right. Very interesting. Well, Kelly, I appreciate your time and your insight on this and kind of opening the door to what it was like to be known as a villain on a reality show, whether you are or aren't in the real world. And uh, I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was great talking to you and seeing you. All right, Kelly, take care. All right, take care. Thank you. My thanks to Kelly Dodd, Courtney Robertson, Richard Hatch, these three human beings who were unknown the day before they stepped foot on the set of The Real Housewives, The Bachelor, and Survivor, but now are synonymous with those shows and with reality TV and with being a reality TV villain and what that means. But if you take anything away, as, as I, I told Courtney, and I've said this many times to people that have been on The Bachelor and Bachelorette, these are, these are people. These are real people. And I know many fans listening and, and on social media will say, well, that's what they signed up for. Yes and no. I can't begin to tell you how being shot out of a cannon without a net on the other side feels. But that is what it's like. Your hair is on fire and you're shot out of this cannon. You thought there would be some press. Yeah, you thought you might catch some grief on social media. But when you are the quote unquote villain or even the star of the show, I, I just don't think you can really prepare yourself for that. So maybe in the immortal words of Richard Hatch, know who you are before you step on set. Know you have that confidence because trying to figure out in the middle of it is not going to work. Good lesson in life. And a great show today.
And I thank you all for being here. And I thank my guest as always. I love diving into this subject matter. I love having real conversations and I love having those conversations with you. And I will talk to you next time because we have a lot more to talk about. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at the most dramatic pod ever and make sure to write us a review and leave us five stars. I'll talk to you next time. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. Hi, everyone. This is Rachel Zoe with the Climbing in Heels podcast. We recently sat down with a few recipients of the Botox Cosmetic Onobotulinum Toxin A and iFund Women Grants at South by Southwest, thanks to Botox Cosmetic. Take a listen to our conversation. It's so good. What advice would you give to upcoming like female entrepreneurs or just already sort of established trying to survive still? I literally joke with my staff and, and we always are saying, oh, you want to be an entrepreneur? You want to be broke all the time and working 24 seven. Ooh. Yeah, but look so, at you. Yeah, right. But I'm here. So the advice that I give is and I coined this, and I believe I said it on my TED Talk, that your passion follows you. You cannot follow your passion. So my advice is to let your passion follow you, get out of your own way, and never stop and never settle. This episode was brought to you by Botox Cosmetic. Learn more at BotoxCosmetic.com and talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, call 877 877- Three five one zero three zero zero, and follow the Climbing in Heels podcast on iHeartRadio or subscribe where you listen to your podcast. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.